Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Crestview Baptist Church this morning. So glad to have you with us today. If you're a guest and with us for the first time, we'd love to get to know you a little better. If you could just fill out a, a visitor card and drop it in the offering plate when they come by. Uh, I just want to remind you of a few things. Uh, next Sunday, we have our deacons meeting in the morning at what, 8.30 in the morning. And then we'll have a business meeting to follow that. And you told me something else, but I forgot what it was. Oh, he says, I've been calling them Christmas boxes outside, okay? They're not Christmas boxes. They're for all year long. So be sure you get your Christmas cards that are left over in your mailboxes. And if people want to give you stuff or communicate with you, um, those mailboxes are going to be used all year long. So if you want to, you know, give somebody a thank you card or a, or a just worth thinking about you card or church communication, you know, check those mailboxes. They'll be in there. And I wanted to share something with you before I turn it over to Artie for prayer. I, I'm the only person in here this morning who has had a Lego sculpture made after them. Raise your hand if you've had a Lego sculpture made after you. I have. This morning, Jackson made a Lego sculpture out of me, and I wanted to show it to you. I was proud of it. I wanted to show you. It looks just like me. Let's see, look here. Got one big old ear over here on the side. It looks just like me. I love it. Thank you. I love it, Jackson. I love being honored in Legos, and it looks just like me. It's got a big mouth just like me. So, uh, but I'm thankful to be here today, and I'm thankful for the people making Lego sculptures after me. Thank you, Jackson. That's an awesome way to be honored. But I'm glad for you to have, for you to be here today. I'm glad, uh, I'm excited to worship with you. And at this time, I just invite you to turn your hearts toward the Lord this morning, and let's focus on Him. It's busy, it's rainy outside, but this morning, for just this hour, let's just focus on the Lord. Chad, turn that thing back around here for a second. Jackson, the only thing that I noticed that, that needed to be improved on that is his mouth is not big enough. <laughs> and the reason I say that, if you've ever been out to eat with Chad, the man eats with a snow shovel. <laughs> and he can pile it in, and it drives me crazy because he's still skinnier than I am and he eats me under the table and it drives me crazy so but you know what it's the second Sunday in January the second Sunday of 2023 and guess what we get to go to church let me say that again that was guys come on now we get to go to church that's better you act like you're a bunch of Baptists or something. We get to come to church. That's something that we take for granted. That we get to come and gather together without fear of somebody coming in and dragging us off and throwing us in prison. It is something that we still enjoy the freedom to come and do without our government coming and shutting us down. We... Take it for granted. We come in and don't have to worry about the roof leaking. We come in and sit in nice, comfortable pews. We have heat going. We have carpet on the floor. And we take it all for granted. We need to be joyful. We need to be thankful that we're able to come and worship freely. With nobody telling us what I have to preach. Or what we have to sing. Or who we have to hire. We have that freedom. And church, I am so grateful for that this morning. That we live in this country and we're able to enjoy this. And as we begin our time together. We're going to, I'm going to ask that that the Holy Spirit moves among us freely, that God has his way with us today so that when we leave this place, it'll shine all over our faces that we've been in the presence of God this morning. So please join me in prayer as we begin our time together.
Our blessed Heavenly Father, we come before you. Dear Lord, we are grateful that we are able to come and meet together in this fine building. Dear Lord, we are grateful that we get to come together without fear. But dear Lord, so many times we take that for granted. Dear Lord, sometimes we wake up and I don't feel like going to church today or I just don't feel like doing this or I don't feel like doing that. But dear Lord, our relationship with you is more than a feeling. Our relationship with you was bought with the blood of Christ. And dear Lord, we thank you for that. Now dear Lord, I ask that during this short hour that we have together, that the Holy Spirit invade this place. That He moves among us and that He works in us so that we will hear and do what it is You tell us today. Dear Lord, that we feel Your presence here in a mighty way, that You shake our very foundation so that when we leave this place, that we will show that we have been in the presence of God, that people will be able to tell that we've been in the presence of the Father. Dear Lord, that we will not be the same as we came. And dear Lord, I pray that you speak through me today. Speak through Chad as he works with the children. Speak through Sandra and the choir as they lead us in worship today. And dear Lord, again, have your way with us today. And we give you all the honor, glory, and praise because only you are worthy of worship. And we ask all of this in the holy and precious name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Would you stand as we sing our call to worship, page 82, Emmanuel. Would you stand, please?
Let us pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, thank you for the many blessings you have given us. Now we have given back to you just a small portion of what you have blessed us with. So we have brought our gifts of tithes and offerings to you. And I pray that you will bless them and bless the giver. For it is your holy name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. Thank you, choir. I have to share something before we, we read our scripture for today. But I need, I want you guys to know this. Some of you already know, I know at least two other people um, that have heard this, but uh, apparently 
there has been a rumor going around our community that we are going to shut our doors, that we are shutting down. I want you to hear it here. God's not done. And God's not dead. So no, we are not shutting our doors. There's going to be rumors all the time. Because Satan wants to keep us where we are. He, wants, he does want to shut us down. As long as we are sitting still and we are sitting in our pews and not doing anything, Satan's going to leave us alone. Because we are exactly where Satan wants us to be. But the minute anyone in the church gets excited, the minute anyone in the church does anything to bring glory and honor to Christ, to further the gospel, to make disciples, the moment anyone takes a stand on Scripture, Satan gets very, very uncomfortable. And he will begin to attack. And part of the way he attacks, unfortunately, is using other Christians to start talking. So I want you to hear it directly from your pastor. The deacons have not met to even discuss anything like this. You know who the deacons are. Ask them. It has never even brought, been brought up or even suggested in any of our meetings, has it, Jim? Nothing. It is a lie. And it is just that a rumor. So I want to look at Scripture and show you what God wants from us. So if you see the title of the sermon, A Year of Vision, how, what are we going to do this year? But I want to look at one Scripture in particular so that we can understand what it is that God wants from us. So if you would turn to Proverbs chapter 29, we're going to look at one verse, verse 18. And if you would stand as I read this, this is one of the most misunderstood. And I'll be honest with you, until I started digging, preparing for this sermon, I misunderstood what it was talking about. So we're actually going to look at Hebrew words and, and, and how it's used in other places to understand exactly what God is saying here through the writers of Proverbs. So if you look at verse 29, or chapter 8, or excuse me, Proverbs 29, verse 18. It says this, and it's going to say it differently in the, in the King James Version, but it says, where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained. The King James Version says there, perish. The people will perish. But happy is, who, is he who keeps the law. Where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained. But happy is he who keeps the law. Let's pray. Blessed Lord and Savior, I ask you right now that you speak through me this morning. That your words are very clear on what you would have us understand today. And dear Lord, above all, will you receive the honor and glory. And if there is someone here that does not know you as their Savior, that they will come to know you as their Savior today. And we ask all of this in the holy and precious name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So the first thing that we have to understand is this, is that what is meant by vision? This word vision here, what is meant by that? Well, there's some things that we have to understand is that what it doesn't mean. While it is important to have a vision of ministry, this verse is not referring to that type of vision. It is not a vision statement. It is not a, a, a vision of what our church ministry is to look like. 
We do not have to come up with that. God is very clear in His Word of the purpose and the vision of a church. It is not a purpose statement. It is not a mission statement. It is not where we're going. God is very clear in what He expects from His church. I was having a conversation yesterday with somebody and they said that the purpose of the church, because everybody, that's a big topic, is what's the purpose of the church? God's purpose of the church is so that God can flex his muscles, is what they said. And I'd never thought of it that way, but it's the truth. The purpose of the church is for God to be able to flex his muscles. What was meant by that? Only God can take a bunch of broken people that are worthless on our own and bring us together and accomplish incredible, eternally lasting things. See, we have this idea that we're doing God a favor, and I've said this several times over the last couple of days, that we in America have this idea that when we come to church or we do something for the church, we're doing God a favor. God needs us. I'm going to bust your bubble. And this may sound harsh. God does not need us. He is God. He, think about this. God spoke this very world into existence. He hung the stars and moon The sun. He put us the perfect distance from the sun where we don't freeze, but we still are able to sustain life. He gave us an atmosphere. And He did it with His words. We were not there. God didn't need us to do anything to accomplish creation. He did it out of sure Sheer act of will. God sent His Son to die for us. And He did it in such a way that we can't boast about it. There's nothing that we did to deserve it. There's nothing that we do to earn it. And there's nothing that we can do to save ourselves. Scripture says, For by grace you are saved through faith, not of works, not of yourself, lest any man can boast. God doesn't need us. Now having said that, I want to give you some hope. But God chooses to use us. And when He takes a broken, undeserving person, and He calls them to serve Him. And He calls them to, to, to share the Gospel. And He calls them to minister in a church or minister in their, their places of work. He alone receives the glory and honor for it. You know, it was a terrible thing that happened last Monday night when on, on national TV you see this young man, this football player, make a tackle, stand up and take a step backwards and then just collapse on national TV. But you know what? Something incredible has happened out through that. Is that you had nationally televised people stopping and praying in the name of Jesus Christ for this young man and his family. For those working with him. And you know, this young man, he posted on his social media account yesterday. But all people were talking about was how these people, this sportscaster on ESPN, now he's probably going to get fired over it, but I'm going to tell you something, I don't think he really cares. But he prayed right in the middle of a nationally televised ESPN broadcast prayed for this young man that God would intervene. God doesn't need us, but He uses us. And He wants to use us.
And he does it so that he can flex his muscle. We say it, I say it like this, and I learned this from Callie uh, Perez, used to be Callie Bridges. She said, God shows up and shows out. And he uses us to show out. It is not, it, while it is important to have a leadership vision, knowing where we're going, how to get there, while that is important for us, this is not what this verse is talking about. Myself, Sandra, Chad, we have vision of where we see us going and how it is God wants us to get there. But that's not what this verse is talking about. Yes, if I don't have a vision, we flounder. If I don't know where God wants to take us, we flounder. I don't have anything to preach about. I don't have anything. While that is important, that's not what this verse is talking about. You see, the Hebrew word used here for vision is, I can't get the so please forgive me, but it's hazon. H A Z O N is the transliteration. Hazon. It's used 35 times in the Old Testament. And it literally means a divine communication or revelation. That's what it means. So the vision referred to here in this verse is actually a revelation or communication from God. So quite literally what it means is God's Word. Now let's see what the Scripture talks about, about God's Word. God's Word is inspired, meaning God breathed life into it. 2 Timothy 3, 16, verse 17 says this, All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. But let's think about this. Let's look at this. Inspired. God's Word is inspired. God breathed life into His Word. When Paul writes this to Timothy, what he's telling, and now remember when he's talking about it, when he writes this letter to Timothy, he's not talking about the New Testament. He's talking about the Old Testament, the only Scriptures they had at that point. But when it says God inspired, that He breathed life into it, it means that this book is alive. This book is powerful. God's Word is powerful. You think about this. Let's go back. How did He create the world? Did He bend down and, and, and grab stuff with clay with His hands and mold it? How, come on, say it out loud. How did He create the world? He spoke it. God's Word is powerful. And then look what it says. God's Word is made incarnate. It means it becomes flesh in His Son, Jesus Christ. I want to look at two verses in John chapter 1. The first is John 1.1. 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, big W. And the Word was with God, and the Word was who? God. Then look at verse 14. This way, and the Word became what? Flesh, and dwelt among us, and we saw His glory. Glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. God's Word is alive. God's Word came, became flesh. It became incarnate in the person of Jesus Christ. God's Word is powerful. So think about that. When there is, where there is no vision, when there is no God's Word. 
Does that change the way you read that verse now? Understanding what it means for God's Word. A revelation. God revealed Himself to us through Jesus Christ. Jesus Himself says, If you have seen Me, you have seen who? The Father. The only way that we can know God is through the Word incarnate, Jesus Christ. Now look at the second part of this verse. What's meant by unrestrained? Or in the King James Version, it says perish. The people are unrestrained. The second part of that verse. The word used here that's translated perish in the King James or unrestrained in the NASAB is the Hebrew word para. P-A-R-A. And it actually means to uncover, let loose, or lose control. Strangely enough, this is the exactly the same word that Moses uses to describe what he saw when he came off of the mountain from receiving the commands, the great commandments, the Ten Commandments, from God when He came down and He saw the people and the golden calf. This is the word that He uses to describe what He saw. In Exodus 32, verse 25, Now when Moses saw that the people were out of control, for Aaron had let them get out of control to be a derision, another word for laugh, or derision is laughing stock, among their enemies. That same word is what is used here. The word that is, is translated out of control. Without the word of God, we are loose. We, all, we go our own way and live without restraint. You think about this. Think about that, what this means from our church or for all churches. You take this verse literally, which I do. I take all Scripture literally. If we operate without the Word of God, without following the leadership and obedience of God, when we take ourselves and we remove that from ourselves, we become uncontrolled. We become unrestrained. And we become a laughing stock. Do we want our church to be a laughing stock? Do you want to be a laughing stock? What does that mean? It means that people say, see you coming to church, and then they see the way you live. And those two things aren't joined up. And sadly enough, I have actually seen people post things on Facebook and then and one, one post will be something about what they're doing and how they're, what they're doing, going out and doing. And the next one is about what's going on at their church. And somebody will comment and say, well, I didn't know you went to church. Now let me ask you a question. How do you think the enemy is looking at them? How do you think the person that made that comment, oh, I didn't know you go to church, what do you think they think about them? Do they take them serious? Do they take their faith serious? No. They don't. And when you become a laughing stock, we, we do more damage than we do good. And that's not what God wants from us. Without the Word of God, we are loose. We have no restraint. So what does that mean for our church? How can we get to a point? Now, now I will tell you this. When I heard this rumor 
It bothered me. It actually made me mad, but it bothered me. It hurt me deep. That that's what people are saying. And what hurt me even more is it came from a sister church. I called Pastor Richard Holden, the one that came and preached our revival for us. I called and told, talked to him. And he shared a story. He told me that uh, he had been at uh, First Baptist Alcoa, Tennessee, where we were on staff with him. He's the one that married Ginger and I. And um, we were, I was on staff there at that church. And he was the pastor. And he had been there for about five years. I had already left and gone to Florida. And he told me that he received a call from his friend that was in ministry and just checking to see how he was doing. <coughs> he said, we're doing okay. He said, we've got a few fires that we're having to deal with. He said, but nothing major. But there are a couple of issues that we're dealing with right now. And um, he said, but overall, everything's going great. And he said, the, the guy that called him got real quiet. And he says, oh, what I wouldn't give for, our, for Satan to cause some problems in our church. He said, because... He's not messing with us at all. And he admitted, he said, we're not where God wants us to be. And because we're not even attempting to get there, Satan's not bothering us. And that changed the outlook of what I saw. But what do we need? I started looking at it in that viewpoint, in a spiritual battle. Something, even though we have problems, I'm not going to lie to you. You, anytime you get a group of people together to do anything, what are you going to have? Problems. But we serve a bigger God than our problems. And God can overcome anything. I keep telling kids this. And I, you've heard me say this. God is bigger than the boogeyman. There is nothing that God can't handle. Now, it might, not be, it might not be pleasant going through it, but God can deal with it. And God tells us that I, if I am for you, who can stand against you? Paul says it like this. I can do all things through Christ who is my strength. It's not our strength, but it's His strength through us. So what does that mean for us in this new year? What does it mean to have vision for this new year? We must renew our commitment to seek God's Word. You hear what I said? We have to renew our commitment as disciples of Jesus and as of church that is bought with the blood of Jesus, His bride, we have to renew our commitment to His Word. Not through, now listen, I want to be very clear. Not through new ministries or new programs, but by seeking God's guidance through these things that I'm going to list here in a second. Guys, I'm going to tell you something. We are Southern, a Southern Baptist church. But I'm going to tell you, I get tired of seeing all the new stuff that the Southern Baptist Convention keeps sending out. New program for this, a new program for this. There's different catchwords that they're coming up with, and it means the same old thing. I remember when I first got into ministry, we had the Sunday school growth spiral. Now, there's some things in that that I agree with. I, I do agree with. One of which is that once you get to a certain size, if you don't split classes or, or, or add another service, that it's going to start going backwards. Because once a place gets 75% full, it's full. And people will start going somewhere else where they have more room. So you need to start looking at splitting it or adding services or something. So that that growth continues. I agree with that. But the programs, 
One goes out of fashion and the another one comes in and it's the same old stuff, but it's always new, new and bright ideas, new programs. These programs will help you grow your church. No, they won't. Because programs are man's work. So no, we're not going to, to grow. We're not going to strengthen our commitment to God's Word through new ministries. Oh, we've got to do this. We've got to do that. No. We've got to do three things. And these are the only three things that we have to do. The first one is we have to renew our commitment to obedience to the commands of Jesus, including making disciples. That's the first thing that we have to do. Is we have to be committed to obeying what it is God tells us in His Word. And we have to be committed to making disciples. Not just getting somebody up here to the altar to say the sinner's prayer, or even getting them in the baptistry and getting them wet. But it's teaching them how to be a disciple of Christ. What it means to be a disciple. And I'm going to tell you this. Being a disciple of Christ will cost you something. And it will not be easy. But it is so rewarding. It is such a peace to be in a place where you're a disciple and becoming a disciple of Christ that the other stuff doesn't seem to matter. We've got to renew that commitment. The second thing is that we have to renew our commitment to study God's Word. Now understand what I'm talking about this. I'm not talking about just reading your Bible. But I'm talking about digging into it. Jumping in head first and just immersing yourself in God's Word. I am not talking about reading a book about God's Word. There are authors that I love to read explaining God's Word. I've got my favorite commentary to help me understand. But nothing surpasses actually reading God's Word. We have too many people in the churches today that go off of what somebody else says about what God said instead of really understanding themselves by reading what God said. I don't care. What John MacArthur says the Bible says. I don't care what John or, or, or what uh, Tony Evans says. The Bible says. And Lord help me, I could give. I couldn't give two cents from what this guy down in Texas, that's got that big old huge church that goes got this million dollar airplanes flying around telling me what God's word says. I don't care. Because what I care about is what God says. We cannot go wrong by digging into this Word. We will get led astray very quickly when we start reading other people telling us what God said. We need to understand what God says. And we have to renew the commitment to God's Word. Standing firm on this foundation. Digging deep in this foundation. There's been a lot of talk about what we do for Sunday school material. I've been very clear on my viewpoint. I don't care what Sunday school material is used. I don't even care if you have Sunday school material in your class. As long it is God's Word. And we do have a couple of classes. They don't use any Sunday school material. This is their Sunday school material. And I am perfectly okay with that. It doesn't have to be Sunday school material from Lifeway just because we are a Southern Baptist church. 
and I'm going to break a bubble again. We as Southern Baptists don't have a lock on good stuff. We don't do everything right. And I'm not naive enough to think that just because it's Southern Baptist, it's great. Because it's not. God's Word is great. And as long as we focus on God's Word, everything else is going to fall into place and it's not going to matter. Okay? And then the third and final commitment thing that we need to do to make sure that we are committed to the vision that God has given us to God's Word is that we must renew our commitment in seeking God's face in prayer. See, people misunderstand prayer. Prayer isn't just about us talking. Prayer is about sometimes just shutting up and letting God talk. Getting away and just letting Him talk. When we're done pouring out our heart to God, prayer time is not over. Prayer time is not like going up to, to, to like the little kids did during Christmas and coming up to me and sitting on my lap and telling me what they want. That's not prayer time. That's not the relationship we have with God. God is our Father, our Heavenly Father. He wants to know when we stub our toes. He wants to know when we're struggling. He wants to know when we can't make ends meet. He wants to know when we have no idea what to go next or do next or where to go or how to do it. He wants to know those things because He cares about us. But we will never know what it is He wants us to do unless we take the time to be quiet and listen to what He has to say back to us. And I'm telling you this. I am telling you this. If you stop and listen, God eventually is going to speak to you. He's going to tell you what to do next. He's going to tell you where He wants you to go. If you listen. And you know, the great thing, I remember I told you that God doesn't need us, but sometimes He uses us. And He chooses to use us, but sometimes He uses us to give people the answers that they're looking for. When we pray and ask God to give us an answer, we need to listen because sometimes that answer is coming through someone else. That is what we need to do this new year. A year of vision, seeking God's word. We do it through a continued, a renewed commitment to obedience in Jesus Christ. We are nothing without him. We do it through a renewed commitment to studying God's Word. Digging deep into those words. And we do it through a renewed commitment to a lifestyle of prayer. Seeking His face. Church, that's what we have to do. God's not done with us yet. but He expects something out of us. He expects us to be committed to Him. The one thing that we've discovered, and it's all churches have discovered through COVID, is that people that are not committed don't need much of an excuse not to come. That sounds mean, but it's the truth. It has shown us who is committed to God. 
It has shown us who it is that is, worth, is willing to do whatever it takes to do what God wants. Where is your commitment this year? Where's your commitment this year? If you are here, now understand when I say this, I'm talking out of personal experience here. I grew up in a church. I grew up going to a Christian school. But it wasn't until I was in college, I was 20 some years old, when I finally got to the point where I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. I'd already gone to church, I'd already been baptized, but I had never came to a place where I knew Jesus Christ was my personal Savior. And I accepted Christ on the same day that my dad, who was a deacon in the church, finally prayed to accept Christ as his Savior. So I know what I'm talking about when I say this. Is that more than likely there's somebody in this congregation right now sitting in, in this room that has grown up in church, has been baptized, but you don't know Christ as your Savior. You've never got to that point where the Holy Spirit has convicted you so bad that you have prayed to accept Christ and ask for forgiveness. You've never got to that point. You may have came down to the altar you may have even been dunked in the baptistry, but you have never prayed to accept Christ as your personal Savior. My prayer is this, is that you will not leave this place today without doing that. I also know that we have people that are not members of our church here. If you feel God leading you to become part of this congregation, to help us reach and seek the vision of God, seek His Word through committing to prayer, Bible study, and obedience. And this is where God wants you. Come forward. This is your invitation to come join us. Yes, we still do church membership because we want people to be committed to the mission of the church. If there is someone in here that you've had a hard time against, you've had hard feelings against, and there is something, you've either wronged them or they've wronged you, doesn't matter if they know it or not. The invitation is this, is that you go get that right before you leave this place today. This is the time to do whatever it is that God is telling you to do. The altar is open. It is your time to recommit yourself to God right now as we sing this song. Would you stand as we sing page 287, Take My Life, Lead, lead Me, Lord, 287. Send me, Lord. 
Thank you for being here today. We hope that you enjoyed your service. Don't forget that we uh, Bible study Wednesday night, 6.30 in here. We're going to continue our study of Galatians. We ask that you just join us for that. We'll also be online. And then youth and children, 6.30 in the youth building. Please join us then also. Um, and now I'm going to ask, don't forget as you leave, check your mailboxes out there to make sure we are going to be giving out stuff. It's getting ready to be um, tax season. So there's going to be information that are going to be mailed out, but we're also going to give, like, uh, if you need uh, offering envelopes or anything like that, those will be placed in your boxes if you need those things. So get used to checking your mailboxes because we are going to have communication um, out there for those. So I'm going to ask Terry Pendleton if he would come and dismiss us in prayer. Also, uh, just a couple of things. Continue to pray for Doyne and Linda Allison. Doyne is waiting for some test results. Um, so pray for him. Also, Sandra is uh, having surgery Friday on her knee. So pray for her as she gets that because Whitey is at home sick. And so she's having to avoid him so she doesn't get sick and postpone her surgery. So pray for her as she gets ready for that surgery. And also Jerry is, they're cutting back on his dialysis, um, but he is still continuing to have dialysis, and they're looking at transferring him to the dialysis clinic in Kings Mountain as soon as a bed comes available. So continue to pray for Jerry and Lisa. And I believe that's it. You dismiss us in prayer, Terry? All right, let us pray. Lord, thank you for letting us have being here together today as your family, Lord. Thank you for the message that we received. Let us take it to heart, Lord. You're our, you're our Lord. You're the one that we all come to seek you, your faith, your guidance. And Lord, lead us to where we can come back and each enjoy your house, your friendship, your family. Lord, bless us all together that we can come back again and be a witness to somebody that is lost and go, Lord show us the light in your name Jesus amen